This is the RTI Press Pass with Rick Butler, Ryan Shumpert, and Jack Foster. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass podcast. Today is Thursday, October 19th. We are back here on campus. It is the morning. My name is Rick Butler. Joined to my right, that is Ryan Shumpert. Joined across the table, that is Jack Foster. Good morning to you both. How are we doing today? Doing well. Doing well. It's a, a big week, obviously, as Tennessee prepares to head on the road for the second time this year in a big right. rivalry game. So First of a back-to-back, too. First of a back a huge back-to-back for them. So uh, a, a big week and, and obviously a lot to talk about on the pod. Jack? I got to tell you, man, I'm oozing with happiness and energy this morning. Oozing. It is a great... Thursday morning. Why? It, I just, I just. Is it so Jags play tonight? They, they do play tonight. Oh, Jags. okay. Jags it's, play tonight. That's honestly, yeah, that wasn't even in my head at the time. I'm just thinking about. Ah, you just woke I, up and sho- chose know. joy. Yeah, I don't know about that. I'm just thinking about big game this weekend. I mean, it's probably like the biggest game of the year. You know, going to Bama. Everything is just clicking right now. Be fun. Right. All, all three of us going down, yeah. I think, for the it's first time this year. football weather outside. It, the I, weather is great. I can, I can get a hot okay. pumpkin spice latte and not feel guilty. Because it's actually kind of cold. Yeah, I'd say it's actually really cold. I, I'd say we've hit that threshold. You know, see, I, I'm a hoodie and jacket guy. Like I don't even care. Like yeah. I'll dress totally way too many layers. It because I am cold natured. Yeah, but I do like the cold weather, so I can wear this heavy clothing. Like I'm, it's a little weird. We're at the halfway point in the season. Do you guys feel like it? Do you feel like you you've gone through six games already? Do you feel like you're on the downhill slope? Where where are you at in that? I no. wouldn't say it feels downhill. But I wouldn't necessarily say that it, you know, I, I think it's fair to say it feels like we're at the halfway point. Yeah. Maybe because it was like a month ago when you were like, we're almost halfway. <laughs> and I was like, not really. <laughs> so now, yeah, that was like a month ago. So now it does feel like we're halfway. I might have jumped the gun a little bit on that one, huh? Yeah. But I mean, the, the, bye, the bye week kind of threw, I saw where you, you were going with Thank it. you. The bye week kind of threw off that dichotomy a little Training bit. Training camp feels like it was a long time ago at this point. But the but the end of the season doesn't feel too far away or anything, you know. That's at least the way that I've been putting it in my head. So, but yeah, yeah it'll it'll feel point. it'll feel downhill in you know ten days when Tennessee's played Alabama and Kentucky on the road, and they got one more road game left, and uh, you're really kind of down the final stretch of the season. And by that point, we'll know if Tennessee is still playing for uh, a lot of meaningful things this year, or whether it's you know kind of Nico time and, and to start building towards next season. Yeah, it'll really feel downhill here in about thirty days when we get done traveling the next three out of the four weeks. You know, I mean, Tennessee's got to go to Alabama this weekend, then to Kentucky, then they come home for a game against UConn. That is homecoming, and then they got to go back out on the road to Missouri. You know, and that's a, that's going to be a tough game as well. So this is certainly a, a huge stretch, which in a lot of ways was important. Why getting that Texas A&M win mattered so much, right? Because you couldn't afford to start off this next stretch behind the eight ball. Being able to get that win over Texas A&M, I think that builds you a little bit of confidence. It's something to obviously stack with the South Carolina win, but you got to now go out there and handle business. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be a challenge. We talked about this stretch of of the season before the season, right? When we were just doing kind of predictions and stuff, this is going to be where Tennessee... I don't want to say sinks or swims, but you know, for a, in a lot of ways, no, that is, that is that it. Is you know, it the is. season's yeah. going to kind of be defined based on what Tennessee can do in these three road games. To me, no, as hundred percent. I mean, because even that Georgia, it, you know, if if Tennessee, you know, just kind of messes around and let's say you lose two out of three on the road, then that Georgia game probably doesn't matter anymore. It's so lost all its lost. You, you've right. got to be able to win on the road in these next couple in order to continue having those goals reachable. Yeah. Well, t- yeah, hundred percent, and even. 
viewers look at it, and I, don't, I think this is over simplistic this season just because the gap, as we've talked about, it, is so small between the top of the league and the middle of the league. But, you know, even if you want to chalk up Georgia and Alabama as losses sure. and you look at, all right, what does Tennessee need to do to get 9-3? and three? Obviously, they lost four to game. That doesn't do them any favors. Well, you would turn to those kind of four games in the middle, being South Carolina, A&M, Kentucky, and Missouri. Well, Tennessee has one to two at home, which they had to do. Uh, but now they got to win. You know, they got those two challenging road games against teams that are probably a little bit better than, but the gap isn't massive, and, and those games will, will largely be games that can go either way. Yeah. And I think we have a really good idea, you know, about why those, you know, you just look at last year's team. They handled business against Florida at home, handled business against Pittsburgh on the road, against LSU on the road, right? Those were, as Ryan was saying, those were those middle-tier games. Absolutely, and the last couple of road trips for Tennessee football, you know, dating back to last year with SC and Georgia, we haven't seen Tennessee play good on the no. road in a long time. So that amplifies the importance of Tennessee's performances here in the next month at Bama, Kentucky, and Missouri, as you mentioned. So, yes, it's a, it's make or break time right now. 100%. No, no room for error after that Florida no. loss, really. And we no. knew that was going to be the case. 100%. Coming up this 3.30 p.m., coming up this Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. What is that, Bryant-Denny Stadium? Yep. Ryan Denny Stadium, CBS, number 11, Alabama, host number 17, Tennessee. According to ESPN's Football Prediction Index, whatever the FPI is, power, power, 76.4% goes to Alabama. But more importantly, the line is Alabama favored by nine points right there. Where was it? Where did it start? Has it moved a little bit? No, it's it stayed about where it was. Uh, it's you know kind of different for different sites, but uh, basically between eight and a half and nine and a half. So it, it stayed... Basically, pretty pretty set all week. All right. So, where's your head at with this game? Just had a had a good couple of days to to get everything on the on the table, get everything laid out. What are you feeling? Yeah, it's an interesting game because I think both these teams are kind of built similarly, or at least have similar strengths and similar weaknesses. So, you know, that kind of makes me think it's a low scoring game. I mean, it's funny you, you mentioned the game line. I think if I'm not mistaken, the over under is at 48 right now. 48 and a half. <laughs> I'll be hammering nice that job. under. Alabama scored 48 last season. Tennessee scored 51. Uh, so <laughs> you're talking about a game that's going to be radically different than the one you saw last season. And, and to Jack's point, you know, my, my thought would kind of be the same to go. You, you'd want the under. This is two offenses that have struggled to passing attacks, probably Tennessee's more so than Alabama's that have struggled. Uh, and then two defense alliance kind of on the opposite end. If you can get in the, th- the opponent in the third and long, you're probably going to have a lot of success because Alabama and Tennessee, uh, along with Texas A&M, those are probably – I am probably those are the the three best defensive lines and pass rushes in the SEC right now. How much changes in a year is crazy because last yeah. year Tennessee wanted to get you in a track meet. They wanted to, you know, outduel you on the offensive side of the football. Now, if you told me Alabama's scoring thirty five plus, there's no way Tennessee's winning because I just don't see how Tennessee's offense can put together that good of a performance on the road to win in a high scoring affair. It's going to have to be low scoring if Tennessee's going to win this game. And that points towards Tennessee's defense, which I think is the story right now. If Tennessee's defense can carry their momentum from what they built the last two games at home onto the road and play well defensively and kind of stop Jalen Milrow from having these explosive plays, which he's tend to have yeah. these last month as he's improved as a passer, then Tennessee's going to be in good shape. Yeah, you know, you talk about Jalen Milrow, and let's kind of, you know, pause and go down that route, route real quick. Obviously a very dynamic quarterback with the ball in his hands, and he can make a lot of plays. He can extend plays. He kind of does hang back there in the pocket a little bit like Max Johnson did. But something, as Willie Martinez referred to this week, is there are going to be times where he scrambles out of the pocket. He does a good job of keeping his eyes downfield. I I, I did think, you know, as somebody who's, 
never been a defensive back myself. You know, Willie Martinez, he, he made a really great point. He said that, you know, hey, when things start breaking down, because that is going to happen, that's something that everybody's anticipating. When things start breaking down, secondary really has to maintain their spots in the field, has to maintain their coverage, and I think that's a great way to look at it because there are going to be a lot of movement from Jalen Milrow. Yeah, definitely, and honestly, one thing that I've looked at this week and been surprised by is that Jalen Milrow hasn't run the ball more. And right. The the stat the sack numbers were staggering to me. It's, it's probably goes hand in hand, just how bad the O line is. Yes, yeah. and you know that's one of the only bad things about this job is we don't get to watch a lot of football on Saturday. It's just because we're working for eight nine hours, and sure. you know I'd gotten to watch the Alabama A and M game basically the whole thing because that was Tennessee's open date, and Alabama's offensive line struggled to block, but it was kind of like you know <laughs> Texas A and M's defense line's fantastic, and yeah. you were kind of thinking directly to Texas A and M next week. Well, looking at the numbers this week, you know, it's 15 sacks the last three games that Alabama's given up. And one of the things I would have thought of with Jalen Milrow is this is a guy that's going to be able to get you out of a lot of those situations. And that, that really hasn't been the case. I know it's a rotating between a redshirt freshman and a true freshman at left tackle for Alabama, and the play hasn't been great there. Um, but I, I expected to see almost more running in, in the stats from Jalen Milrow. I know uh, maybe a hamstring injury. Uh, that he's been playing through. Uh, I've seen mentioned this week. I don't mm. know if that's something serious or not, but that was... That would make sense. That, yeah, that was something that, you know, we, like you said, would make sense because I, I was surprised we haven't seen Jalen Milrow be a little bit more effective and especially for an offense that struggled to run the ball with the running backs. Yeah. With an athlete like Jalen Milrow, I'd be thinking they'd be trying to use him in the running game to, to get that going. Yeah, more. they've been fairly one-dimensional. Just they've found their success in the passing game. I mean, as you mentioned, this Alabama offensive line... It's given up 4.43 sacks per game. They rank 126 out of 130 in the FBS. And sacks <laughs> I found that up. same stat earlier total this sack. week. Milrow's been sacked 26 times. Played the same amount of games as Joe Milton because Milrow didn't play against USF, was benched. Good point. Milton's been sacked eight times. And it's not like Tennessee's offensive line is some great unit. Now, yeah. it's been good the last couple games, but, you know, Florida game is bad and stuff like that. So that just shows the disparity between these two units for these two teams right now. Yeah, I think you're looking at James Pierce Jr., looking just at that front seven for Tennessee and saying, hey, this could be a game where you pin your ears back and that's how you affect this crowd because that's one of the other elements to me. It's going to be a hostile environment, right? What are the ways that you silence a crowd best? It's when you really take the wind out of their sails, and I think that getting a quarterback on the ground is one of those things that takes the wind out of somebody's sails. Definitely, and... You know, the other thing that stands out, and Jack, you you talked about it with how Alabama's kind of been one-dimensional on offense. They've been really reliant on the big plays. Like, Alabama's offense has almost been what you expected Tennessee's offense to be. Right. I guess a little bit better running the ball, or Tennessee's been a little better running the ball than, you know, Alabama has from that standpoint. But you expected, all right, they're probably going to struggle throwing it short, but they're going to be able to hit some deep balls and make you pay. And Tennessee really hasn't done that, but Jalen Milrow has done a really good job of doing that. I mean, that's how they won the A&M game. Hit, what, two, two or three deep balls. A&M couldn't guard Jermaine Burton. He had a huge day. So that's something that stands out. I can't find the stat right now. One of my friends had sent it to me. I think Josh Pate had it on his show this week. But the numbers for Jalen Milrow throwing the ball less than 10 yards down the field mm. and more than 10 yards down the field are staggering. And so much of what we've seen, we've seen it less the last two weeks, but so much of what we see from Tim Makes' defense and his tenure is keep everything in front of you. Let's not give up the big play. Let's make teams drive. And, uh, you know, I think that would very much, I'd be surprised if that's not Tennessee's game plan. Let's take, not let them run, let's stop the run, and then let's keep everything in the passing game in front of us and make them drive the ball consistently because that's something Alabama's offense has struggled to do. And to that exact point, you know, I got to imagine that that's kind of what Willie Martinez is talking about when he's saying, hey, when there's chaos in the field, when things start breaking down, and, you know, of course, even when they don't, 
But that, to me, is one of the times where I feel like an, a, a team like Alabama, a quarterback like Jalen Milrow, can take advantage of just some of the inconsistencies or some of the defensive players being out of position once the play really gets going. Maybe they can take advantage of that. So uh, I definitely think that's going to be a big area to uh, focus on in this game. But, you know, from from that defensive side of the ball for Tennessee, give me a player that you think could really have a chance to stand out and shine. I know you could go on each level, and there's a lot of different guys to pick from, but give me one of the players that you'll be thinking about for this game on Saturday. I'll go Kamal Haddon just because of what I just said. Uh, he's been really good this year. Uh, are certainly a lot better. We talked all what all fall camp about Tennessee needs some separation at corner. Sure. Kamal Haddon has separated himself. Really, it's the same behind Kamal Haddon where you got four or five guys that aren't too 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 different. But Kamal Haddon has gotten better, and I think this will be a game that's a challenge for him against a a team that throws the ball down the field a lot. And you know, Haddon's been good, but the issues we have seen from him are a lot of the same deep balls not turning his head, getting pass interferences. You know, you're going on the road. You're probably not going to get a, a super favorable whistle or a super favorable, uh, you know, 50-50 calls on some of those balls if you don't turn your head. So I think that's a guy that I look at. I feel really confident Tennessee's pass rush is going to be really good. I feel confident that Tennessee's going to be able to slow down Alabama's run game. Um, but talk, just like we talked about, taking away the big plays, and, and I think Haddon's the guy that you want to feel confident in, and he's the guy that needs to take away kind of a side of the field. No, you hit the nail on the head. It, a lot relies on this Tennessee secondary because, as you said, we know the defensive line is going to be good. Alabama doesn't have a strong rushing attack at all. It's that big play style that Alabama's been so good at this season, and Tennessee secondary needs to step up and take it, like I said earlier, take it on the road because that's one unit that we've specifically seen really struggle on the road is the back end of Tennessee's defense. And You guys want some stats to back up what you were just talking about? Please. All right. Jalen Milrow, 16.4 yards per completion going up against the Tennessee defense. That is fourth in the FBS in yards per completion allowed. Only nine yards per completion allowed from Tennessee's defense, whereas Milton is throwing for 16 a completion. And then Jermaine Burton has 446 yards on the year. He's averaging 23.4 yards per reception. So these guys have just been generating big plays all year long. Milrow also second in SEC in yards per pass attempt. So he's pretty efficient. He really is. It's... Again, it's not at all what I expected Alabama's offense to be. I mean, we all off season like Alabama was. I don't know Alabama, but the narrative around Alabama was you know grit and grind, grit and grind, running run, run, run <laughs> right at you. And the defense part, you know, outside besides the Texas game is uh, defense is good has yeah. lo- lived yeah. up to that, but the offense certainly hasn't. And uh, it's uh, I don't think an offense that really has an identity right now, and uh, they're still kind of trying to find that and. Certainly, uh, if Tennessee takes away the big plays, I think there's you know good chances for the defense to have a lot of success. Oh, yeah. Jack, you mentioned Joe Milton there a second ago, and flipping sides of the field, let's talk about Tennessee's offense versus Alabama's defense. Short, simple, sweet, right to the point. Joe Milton has to be good for Tennessee in this game. He's got to step up. He's got to be able to make plays. He's got to be able to expand the passing game for Tennessee. I don't think that you can win this game just with 100 yards passing on what? A 50% exactly. passing, nonetheless, too, right. with one touchdown, one interception. That's just, that, that can't happen. Uh, and, and Joe Milton's got to be good in this game. And to me, that's one of the, it's one of the big kind of, I guess, lasting thoughts I have about this game that's going to stay in my head until the game starts. Joe Milton has to be good. What are we going to see from him? I know we keep talking about how good Tennessee's run game is and how. Jalen Wright should be able to run on Alabama, even though they have a good rush D. Jalen Wright feels matchup-proof right now. And then Tennessee, on paper, looks like they can win in the trenches against Alabama. But if you're going to win on the road at Alabama against this a Nick Saban coach team, 
your quarterback has to make at least a few plays. And he didn't make any against Texas A&M. So we have to see Joe Milton make three to five at least, minimum, good to great plays against Alabama if Tennessee's going to pull off this upset. That's just what it boils down to. That's the formula. I think we talked about it on here last year, maybe the year before that even. You beat the teams that beat Alabama with Nick Saban. It's it's good quarterback play. Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Johnny Manziel, Hendon Hooker, Hendon Hooker. It's why LSU yeah. for all those years had so many struggles winning. Daniels had a great game. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Yep. So that's that's it. It's like you said, Jack. I'm confident Tennessee will be able to run the ball effectively and run the ball well, but they won't be able to win the ball, win the game just on their run game. Yep. They're going to have to hit some of those shots down the field. It's what Quinn Ewers did earlier this season. He made some great That's deep right. balls. Uh, I remember one in the first quarter getting killed on that ball. Uh, just a beautiful ball. So, yeah, it's a lot on Joe Milton's shoulders. It's hard to have a lot of confidence because he hasn't played very well and it doesn't seem like it's moving in the right direction but again it's another opportunity I think he's going to be put in a position where he doesn't have to do a ton they just need him to make a couple plays and not make back-breaking mistakes uh, so we'll see but that's uh, it's a certainly another opportunity for Joe Milton it, you know it, it's Joe and, and I and I 100% think it's Joe you know he 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 has the responsibility for just kind of a lot of the flaws to his game right now for a lot of the deficiencies to his game right now. But there's also another aspect of it that Tennessee's receivers also have to step up here. I mean, yeah, you, you lose Brew McCoy. You can't just hang your hat on that the whole time. People have to step up. I think you saw in the last game against Texas A&M, Chaz Nimrod was was one of those guys. He, was, he came ready to play, but there's still another level of physicality, I think, that he's got to unlock to his game. I, still, I, I think there's another level that Squirrel White now has to hit, right, it, with... Dante Thornton being, you know, a, a non-factor through the first half of the season. Again, going back to McCoy being out. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just, I, I think this receiving core has to step up. And then, of course, Ramel Keaton, right, Who, who's had just some shocking uh, deficiencies throughout the year this year with, with drops and what, what it, whatever else it may be. I think that Tennessee's receivers have to step up. That whole group in general, just the passing game in general, you got to have some signs of life in this game or, or else, again, it could get away from you. Yeah, you need to get in a rhythm. And I need to do some digging. I don't know if this is even possible to find, but I want to see where Squirrel White has caught his passes this year. Because you go back to the 9-for-104 line against SC. <laughs> Behind the line of scrimmage. He had he caught a bomb, right? So he had a big play, but then he was 8-for-50 outside of that. So he's catching a lot of short passes yeah. at the line of scrimmage. As you mentioned, screen passes. It. I don't even recall a catch Squirrel White has made, maybe just a couple, where he's you know, running a crossing route across the field. It's not really his game, but you want to see Squirrel White become a more versatile weapon in this Tennessee offense, especially without McCoy. They need it to happen because it doesn't feel like Nimrod and Webb will be able to take that big step that you hope they could take. And then Thornton, as you said, is a non-factor, and Ramel Keaton's had it down here. So I'm looking at Squirrel White to become more versatile in this Tennessee yeah. offense. You're right. I mean, he, he hasn't done any of that. The only other thing I would add is some of those RPO kind of five-yard out routes. Uh, they've, mm-hmm. they've thrown some of those to him. But, again, that's outside passes, Quick short. Release, yes, on script, right. And you're right. That's not really Squirrel White's game, but it's it's not Joe Milton's game either. And we talked about it on our post-game pod of, you know, number of instances with guys running open over the middle, and he doesn't he doesn't let it roll or let it rip. So I'm not confident you're going to see that. But certainly Tennessee needs to find uh, another gear in their passing game. And I think maybe the one thing that stands out the most going into this game, or is a key, is Tennessee just needs to be more efficient in scoring scoring range. They were so bad at that last, last week. They've been 
very inconsistent, especially in the red zone. They haven't had the same issues from 35 in, but they have had a lot of issues in not scoring touchdowns from 20 in all season. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a low-scoring game. you got to take your points at times and, and just kind of take your pills and swallow it, but uh, you're going to have to score some touchdowns and, and be effective, and some of that's going to probably have to be Joe Milton uh, making good decisions uh, and then obviously uh, running the ball too, but that's something that I'll – I'll really be looking at it, and I just don't think if Tennessee is not overly efficient uh, with its red zone offense, I, I have a hard time seeing them winning this game. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's one of the big things that has kind of lingered with me this week as well. It's just Tennessee, they're going to have opportunities. I don't know if it's going to be a ton of opportunities, but they're going to have opportunities on the Alabama side of the field. you got to make the most of them. You know, and We've also talked this week about how it's important for Look, we know that Tennessee's offense might not be the the sole scoring um, output of this team, right? Maybe maybe defense can help out a little bit. Maybe special teams can help out a little bit. But I don't think those are things you can rely on, right? So when you get into Alabama's side of the field, you got to make those moments matter, and you got to make those points matter, even if it's just a field goal. I, I think that having those things, getting that inch by inch victory, because you guys are right. I don't think this is going to be a, a an overly high scoring game or anything like that. These points are going to matter, so. Got to be a fish in the red zone, Brian. I think you're spot on. Yeah, and that's what made Tennessee so good last year. And we've we you know talked about that countless times. Don't need to go back over that. But yes, Tennessee just hasn't been that great in the red zone. They have to capitalize on opportunities and you know continue to just make plays. Like I said, you're going to have to put up points to beat Bama. You know. So what do we know about Alabama's defense? Well, the bad news for the for Tennessee is the past defense is good. I mean, Terry on yeah. uh, Arnold and Kool-Aid McKinstry are Kool-Aid. Two. Two very good defensive backs, two very good corners, uh, you know, one of probably the best duos in the conference, if not the country. And then what we were saying earlier, we're talking about Alabama's pass rush is, is up there with Tennessee's and Texas A&M. So uh, they're certainly not bad against a run. That's kind of just a weakness by trait of the past events being so good. It, that's it, Everyone's like, oh, Kool-Aid doesn't have good stats. No one throws to him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good point. That's yeah, like, so it's you know it's not a whole lot to inspire confidence about Tennessee's passing game in this one. So that's kind of what stands out, and you know because of that, because of how good the pass rush is, it's Tennessee's got got to avoid third and long. I mean that's the case all season, and I think it adds a particular emphasis in this game because of that pass rush and just because Tennessee's going on the road again, and they completely did themselves in Florida with pre-snap penalties. This is not an offense that is built to play in first and fifteen. It's not quite to the degree of the Titans offense where it's like, all right, you get a holding or a, a false start. It's like just send a punt unit out there. Let's not turn the ball over. Uh, but it's you're not going to fight back from first and 15 and have a lot of success. We saw that at Florida. It'll be even more so against a better defense this week. So the crowd noise, I mean, it's not there's not a whole lot to talk in detail about handling the environment, but that's something Tennessee just has to do in this game. It has to be significantly yeah, better it, than yeah. what it's been in their last – Three true road games. I mean, Vanderbilt was mixed in there, too. But To your exact point, like I don't think there's a lot to say about it, but that doesn't take away from the importance of... It's just you got to go out there and you got to do your job, right? It's going to be incredibly difficult. Uh, Somebody had a good question in Cooper Mays this week, and they said, hey, which part of playing on the road is the toughest? And I think they might have given them a list of kind of four options. You know, is it pre-snap? Is it it post-snap? Is it on the sideline? You know, what is it? And Cooper Mays said... It's everything. You know, it's everything. So, to me, it's it's 
How is Tennessee going to rebound from that Florida game? How are they going to get the communication down better? How are they going to operate more efficiently? Again, I, I don't have a ton to say about it. I don't know the answers to, to those questions all the time on the football field, but that doesn't take away the importance of it. That's going to be one of the make-or-break aspects of this game to me. Yeah, and I look at turnovers too. You know, Joe Milton can't, Great af- point. can't afford to have a brain fart and throw a pass into double coverage in the end zone. Like, yeah. that just can't happen. So, Milton, if he's not going to make big plays, Tennessee can probably still win this game if he only makes, you know, one to two great plays. It just depends on how well they shut down Milrow, but he can't make mistakes. Like, if he makes mistakes, Tennessee will lose. That is a fact. How many interceptions does he have this year? Four. Four? Yeah. Make sure. I can only think of those two and just the two really bad ones. He threw two ones. against, against one at, South Carolina. He threw two against South Carolina. One Which one was at, the know, one where he got hit Florida. and he just threw Florida. it up Florida. and it moonballed yeah, like a punt? That one and then the one last week that I'm thinking of in the end zone. Right? I mean, we're just egregious, right? So, got to have better ball protection. I know that's not like a, a, a maybe an overwhelming storyline of this year or anything, but got to have better protection because that was one of the things we heard all training camp was Joe Milton's not throwing interceptions. He's yeah. got really he good security with the ball. He had never thrown a pick in his Tennessee right. career. And now it's like, well, it seems like he gets a little bit rattled, a little bit shaken up, and he can make some of those uh, less uh, um, I don't, poor just, decisions. Poor decisions, thank you. I was trying to, was trying to create, think of a creative phrase, and simplicity was the best there. But, yes. Fun stat. Uh, well, I guess not really fun. But Joe Milton has <laughs> the same amount of interceptions thrown in six games this season as Hendon Hooker did in all his starts at Tennessee. Which is what he started 10, 10, 11 games his first year at Tennessee. Yeah, and 10 games, 10 last, games year. last year. So 20, 21 games. Yeah, 11, including the Music City Bowl. And, and he was 10. really good at, you know, ball security and everything like that. But that is still a fascinating switch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, two, I mean, two of Milton's interceptions have been the exact same. He just threw it directly, trying to throw the ball over the middle, didn't yeah. see the safety directly into the stomach. You know, the one against the second one against South Carolina kind of underthrew Jacob Warren. I'd say he's more excusable and then. Obviously, just a, a bad decision, and obviously got hit as he threw into one against Florida. So, you're right, Jack, uh, and I would especially say turnovers in this game that direct correlation to points. Like he did two two weeks ago against or three weeks ago in South Carolina, last week against A and M, cannot throw him in the red zone when you're about to score, get three points in the minimum, and like Florida, that interception was returned to what you know the eight yard line or something like that, just immediately handed Florida three points if not seven. If you're going to have turnovers in this game, let them be in the middle of the field. Uh, Those are the ones you can probably overcome because this is going to be a defensive-type game. Uh, But in a game where, again, to Jack's point, points are going to be valuable, you just cannot um, take them off the board for your team or hand them to the other team with bad mistakes. You know, by the way, going back to the defensive side of the ball, my answer to the question would have been James Pierce Jr. is just somebody who, you know, I'm looking at from the defensive side of the ball. Let's take that question, though, and put it offensively. Who's kind of one player from the offensive side of the ball that you look at has got to have a productive game in order for Tennessee to be effective in this game? I think it's Squirrel White. And if Jalen Wright is shut down, it's going to be bad news. So, yes, naturally, Jalen Wright has to continue rolling. But Squirrel White also has to have a good game, in my opinion, because I just don't see another receiver being able to step up like I think Squirrel White can. Take mine. Well, I don't know who. You, I mean, Joe Mill. I mean, that's the obvious one. I mean, Joe yeah, Mill. Obvi- We've just been talking about that. I'm thinking, yeah. Yes. Obviously, You're thinking outside Milton. the box. I'm not thinking Mill. Right? I, I was thinking a, inside the box. The obvious. Myself. Yeah, that's the obvious one. Right. So, I would maybe go Ramel Keaton to Ramel Keaton because, you know, I think Squirrel White may be a little bit limited in some of the things that he can do. 
Uh, Ramel Keaton's going to be one of the guys on a little more consistently go to on third downs and also has the ability to hit a deep shot. So maybe if they get him going, uh, another sneaky one, I'll say, and it's kind of a combo. Gerald Mincy or Dane Davis, whoever ends up playing right tackle. Mincy left that game last week with an injury. Yeah. Jeremiah Crawford also, I mean, he wasn't ruled out, but he was out the week before. He didn't play in that game. Seems to indicate that he was unable. So whoever's playing uh, in that right tackle spot on the other side of the offensive line from John Campbell, um, I just think will be important to, to give Milton some time and to talk about avoiding those mistakes, um, You know, not being able to get hit as he throws or strip sacks or anything like that. So that one maybe has a less true importance on the game from the standpoint of, like we said, it's a low-scoring game. You can probably overcome uh, some of those things, but from a moving-the-football standpoint, uh, I would point to whoever's playing right tackle for Tennessee. I think both those are obviously great answers. I am going to stick inside the box. I'm going to be Captain Obvious here, but I think somebody needs to be, so I will accept that responsibility for us. For you're, you're a hero. Yeah. Not gonna, all heroes wear capes, Thank Rick. you. Thank you. They wear Nike hats because that's and what I got on right now. Quarter zips. And a right? quarter zip. And a night. Quarter zip and sweatpants. Perfect. We it's not have a look, we not have a look I'm thrilled of. We do. I noticed that walking yeah. in. We were both going blue on gray. Yeah. 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 How going, colorful. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm going Occam's razor. I'm going the simple answer. And it's for every reason that we talked about earlier. There's a laundry list of great quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson, uh, Hinton Hooker, Joe Burrow, whoever it might be. Those are, the, those are the quarterbacks that beat Nick Saban's Alabama teams. And I understand that this Alabama team is not on the level of some of the ones that those other guys beat in the past, even the year that even the team that Hinton Hooker beat last year. But nonetheless, the thought still rings true. you got to have a good quarterback play. Joe Milton has not necessarily lost Tennessee any games. That Florida game was just a, 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 the all four wheels fell off at the same time. But he's got to be an important factor into why Tennessee wins this game if they do. So I'm going Joe Milton. I'm going simplest answer. I'm going Occam's razor. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's how that's I feel right. right there. So any other, any other kind of closing uh, thoughts on the game? I have one. And sure. it's kind of uh, something you hardly ever think about. But penalties. Talk about a close game. Okay. Tight. You know, the only reason Texas A&M was going to score that one drive we talked about was Tennessee <laughs> defense yeah. committing a penalties. A lot of penalties in the game. These are week. heavily penalized teams. Tennessee's 119th in the FBS in penalties Yeesh. per game. Alabama's 97th. Yeesh. So neither are too good. And if Tennessee can, you know, keep stay away from committing penalties, I think they'll be in pretty solid shape. So that's just something to keep an eye on that maybe you don't normally think about. Yeah, I'd say so, I and mean, we kind of talked about them a little bit with the pass interferences down the field and then just the pre-snap penalties. So those will be big, and you know, even go back and look at last year's game. Uh, penalties were a huge story in that game. I can't remember the exact number of them, but Alabama had Alabama tons for yeah. over 100 yards, and that was a huge, huge factor in the game. So, uh, And you're right, it's still been an issue for Alabama this year. It's been an issue for Tennessee. Uh, it, it could... Could be a sneaky, important part of this game. And specifically, pre-snap penalties on the road. Like, sure. That's sure. Tennessee's M.O., it feels like. So yeah. none of those from the O-line is what Tennessee needs. I'm not going to ask you for a score. I'm not going to hold you to this decision. Which way are you guys kind of leaning for this one? Just well, leaning early on. We're going to have our full predictions up on RacketUpInsider.com yeah. Friday morning. Well, I mean, as you just put it with Joe Milton, a Good to great quarterback has to – you have to have a good quarterback performance to beat Alabama, if not a great one. And what Joe Milton's done, just don't have the confidence in him enough to pick Tennessee. So I'm leaning Alabama. I'm leaning Alabama as well. I'm, I'm going to pick Alabama. There's no leaning about it. It'll be the score. But uh, just what Jack said, Joe Milton, don't have trust in him to play well enough to win this game. Tennessee's road issues, 
it's not that it's going to necessarily be as bad as it was against Florida uh, or even going back to Georgia last year, but until I see them play a clean game in a hostile environment, yeah, you know, my preconceived notion is going to be that they're not going to do it, and uh, I'm not sure they can they can win not playing a clean game. And there's no question that more can go wrong for Tennessee. Yeah. Like, yes. The <laughs> secondary has a bad day. If the pass rush isn't getting home like it wasn't against Florida, right? Yeah. Jalen Wright's bottled up. It could get ugly. I'll tell you right now, I think I'm going to pick Alabama and Kentucky. However, an outcome for this game could greatly influence my decision next week. It's a night game in Lexington. I think that's tough. And like Ryan said... And like I told you last week when we were driving home from the Texas A&M game, I've got to see some sort of good performance on the road so I don't yeah. only have that Florida game to think about. Because, again, it's going to be night game. It's going to be cold. It's going to be hostile environment. It's going to be crazy. But hey, that, that Kentucky game is, is to talk about next week. That pretty much wraps up our conversation around the Tennessee-Alabama game. We, of course, all three of us will be there, so you can follow each one of us on, on social media to follow along with uh, with all the great coverage that we'll have. Going down to Tuscaloosa for this game, Ryan, real quick, you've already been to Alabama this week. I have. You were in right. Birmingham yesterday. I was for SEC Which actually just hit me. This is a quick turnaround for you. I mean, I can't believe you're here oh, doing this podcast right so now. It's so funny. I almost texted you, but I saw where you had a lot of football coverage going on, and I was like, ah, he didn't. I bet he didn't go. Because it was like, oh, Alabama's this weekend. But but because you went last year. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if Ryan went again. Yeah. But I, no one said anything, so I was like, oh, I, I guess he didn't go. But wow. <laughs> Out of applause. Thank you. <laughs> I will accept my uh, award in metal, <laughs> metal or certificate oh, form. Wow. Okay, okay. Uh, I've already been claimed as the hero of this program, so you can be the the runner up. Hero. <laughs> okay, uh, I can take runner up hero. Okay. But Rick Barnes, Akai Ziegler, Santiago Vescovi, how was it yesterday? It was good. Uh, Santiago Vescovi chugged two water bottles in the middle of an interview. Did you uh, chug three? I did not chug three. Oh. I don't have that dog in me. Um, but <laughs> That's tough, man. It, you can't just chug water like that. It's tough. It is. It's a challenge. So, no, everything, you know, pretty good, obviously. Why did he chug two water bottles in the middle of the interview? Did somebody dare him? A double dog dare? Um, I may be... Was it you? No, it wasn't me. You double dog there dare was, him? There was some sort of challenges that Tennessee's social media team had for them to do during interviews. Okay. But it was only to chug one water bottle. And oh, Santi just... did that, and then he went back to the well to, to, do, to chug, I guess, proverbial well. Also, well, he got more water. Oh. Well, t- well done. Yeah, that was the next level. <laughs> so uh, everything else, though. Yeah, again, SEC basketball media days not nearly as big as a deal as football media days, but uh, all was well. Um, I guess the one kind of injury status updates is kind of the big thing. Cam Carr, freshman shooting guard, currently in concussion protocol after getting in, a, getting hit in the head in practice. He's a guy that's been talented, and I think he's gonna be a really good player for Tennessee in time. Hard with all the depth Tennessee has in the backcourt, hard to see him having a huge role. J.P. Estrella, Tobey Awaka, uh, D.J. Jefferson, which we already knew from last week, all those guys are have been back practicing. And this guy Ziegler, uh, or Rick Barnes said, this guy Ziegler has been doing some full go half court stuff, hasn't been uh, going full court up and down yet. So that's kind of where things stand there. Again, his progress, I mean, it's been like five months since he had surgery, or a little over five months. I think it was uh, a little over six months, I should say, since he had surgery. So uh, that... Recovery continues to be really quick, uh, it feels like, and we'll see whether he's back for the opener, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be something that bleeds deep, deep into the non-conference schedule. So uh, that was kind of that. A lot of, you know, Tennessee was picked to win the SEC by the league's media, um, and a lot of 
thanks for the respect, but it doesn't doesn't mean anything from Tennessee's players and coaches. So uh, a there lot of go. what you'd expect and uh, a quick trip to Birmingham. Sometime in the next 18 days, we're going to have to come together for a basketball season preview podcast. I don't want to. I don't just want to throw that on to the end of a yeah. of, fo- of a football show. You're right, that's a good idea. Uh, so oh, sometime in the now. next 18 days. Right now, <laughs> yeah. You prepared? All right. Welcome into the Rocket Top <laughs> Insider Press Pass podcast. Um, now we got a we got a Josh Heupel press conference to get to here in a little bit. Although I did see that that might have been a little delayed. Mm, um, that doesn't sound like the Josh Heupel uh, Thursday press conference. That couldn't possibly. Real quick, how could it be, Jack? How often do you delete your emails? Uh, I mean, like I'm not deleting these. You're not deleting yeah, them? Often. Why do you have like 90 selected then? To mark them as read all at one because I don't oh, need to okay. read all these all emails. Right. All but right. I'm not one of those psycho- psychopaths that can just have thousands of emails. That say- bothers me. So I go through, Healthy I click metal. on them, oh, that bothers mark me. as read. I got to see how many I have. Well, I have three different emails. I have like a personal email that well. I get all the, you know, whatever. Well. Just I guess bullcrap, <laughs> lack of a better term. I have 6,551. Yeah, that one probably has read. north of 1,000. But my. Omaha email, my school email, like I clear those out every day. I see everything. Am I the crazy one? Well, do you have one email? Nah, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's am tough, I crazy? I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you're read crazy. Them, I don't delete them. I just let them go. I'm Ignorance not, is bliss. I'm not sure. Am I'd I the say, crazy one? I don't, I'm not sure. I'd say you're crazy. I think a lot of people are like. I mean, people do that with their text messages. Yeah, which is I thought you were insane. crazy because you were going through and deleting them. When I was someone like, has that's like too much. Over I'm not deleting them. No, but I was wrong. I guess I'm not cool enough to be in enough group chats, but when someone has like <laughs> 200 plus unread text messages, I'm like, Jesus. Yeah. Okay, I will I will defend this. I do have this problem, and it's from one group text that's just constant. But that's so yes, that's like so insane. simple to simple to solve it. You just click on the group. You don't have to read the messages. You just click on the group yeah. message, and they're all gone. Yeah, that's almost worse. That's almost worse. Okay, all right. <laughs> You want to have, you wanna have a truth? You want to have minimal tru- work? No, no, no. You want to have a truthful Thursday here? It's the flex. How, see, the flex. why are you flexing that? Like, nobody ever said it was a good flex. <laughs> nobody ever said it was strong. It is a flex. It's like, don't you? Well, yeah, I got all these people. But it's it like, almost just it's kind like, of rude to not like to be like, I'm not reading the text. Flex, like, isn't? I don't know. Inconsiderate. I yeah. can see that rude from the other side. Vile. <laughs> Vile. Nasty. nasty. Look at Rick Butler. Take a good long look in the mirror, Mr. Butler. Wow. Okay. All right. Fine. I'll go read. I'll go mark my emails as read. No, the emails I'm not blaming you on. The text messages. The emails is fine. I just personally don't like it, but I I don't think it's crazy not to do it with the emails. The text I do think Okay. I'll show you. I have 92. Jesus. Right? I have 92. Let's click this one. 58. I guess I had. I guess there are a bunch that it's just popular. Gonna, that go yeah, that go the way you thought it was gonna go. No, nope, no, not even a little bit. It's like the, only, the lion in the four. tuna. Okay. Hey, right. hey, since it's a truthful Thursday before we wrap up, I have oh, to no. apologize to Ryan. I borderline <laughs> made fun of you for saying that can or that uh, Missouri was a tougher test than Kentucky, and <laughs> Missouri <laughs> is much better than Kentucky. So I apologize. Hey, I appreciate that. I'm going to be honest, I don't even remember that. But <laughs> I, I, I do know you've been an anti-Missouri stan. Yeah, uh, I, I refuse, still am. You refuse to believe that Eli Drinkwitz in Missouri I still Missouri am, but now I just think Kentucky's, Kentucky's terrible. Kentucky's worse. It's yeah. easy. Yeah, you just downgrade them as low as possible. Yeah. I mean, 
I respect it. It was a very subtle shot to you when Missouri or when Kansas State lost on Friday night a couple weeks ago. Okay. I tweeted out the, the the score and I was like, "Yeah, Missouri ain't good." <laughs> Don't use that Kansas State game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw because Oklahoma State is not who yeah, they played. They yeah, they lost. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's funny. Do you guys follow the Message Board Geniuses yeah. account? Must follow. For one of my absolute favorites, and they had a really good one about um, Kentucky can't Kentucky fans calling for Deion Sanders on the on the board. So that was a pretty good one. They also had another one, but I can't find it in time. Yeah, they they're active over there. They tweet a lot. So it's such a good, such a good account. Oh, it's PJ Fleck and Deion Sanders. Oh, of course, <laughs> those are the two candidates that this guy had thrown out. PJ Fleck, <laughs> but he spelled it Dion like D I O N, so he didn't even have it. He didn't even have the right Clown. spelling. That's brutal. I feel like PJ Fleck is just worse. Oh. Mark Stoops. Row so I don't boat. know why you want the boat. I heard Row that. Uh, I have no idea if this is true, but I heard on this NFL podcast a couple of days ago that Deion Sanders changed his name when he was coming into the league from D E O N which is more common, to D-E-I-O-N, so people would stop calling him Neon Dion because he, na- he wanted his nickname to be primetime. So he, and people were calling him Neon Dion. I don't know why. But they were calling I've been that. wondering so that because I've seen like that a his, lot this year, the Neon Dion his thing. His birth and I name is, He was like, I hate that name. I'm changing Dion spelling so you can't like match them together because Neon would be spelled the same way. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea if that's true. I don't see how he thought that was really going to stop Fun fact people. of the day. That's fun fascinating. May, fun maybe fact of the day. Yeah, that's what this program's all about. Yeah, giving we, you information co- we think is correct. This has completely gone off the rails. <laughs> I hope no one's still listening. <laughs> oh no, you're right. Before, yeah, well, this this headline here from Arizona Central is before Dion was prime time, he was Dion Sanders, but spelled D I O N. That's not even the same way. Oh, that's not what they said on the podcast. Then, so yeah, then what? That would really be kind of Somebody crazy by Dion, because if anything, that would make Neon Dion more likely because you have the E in both now. That's, yeah. that's kind of what I was thinking at first. Um, right, yeah. Okay, Whatever. so here, quote, another little-known fact is that Sanders' first name is actually Dion, D-I-O-N, and it was spelled as such in our newspaper back then. We all spelled it that way, and Wilkie, uh, I don't know, uh, said no one ever informed him or anyone else that it was incorrect. Later in his career, the E was finally added to the first name by Sanders himself. Here's the quote, and then we'll then we'll wrap this up. I spelled it D-E-I-O-N, Sanders said on the Rich Eisen Show. When we were kids, we knew the old McDonald song, Old McDonald Had a Farm. What was next in the line? E-I-E-I-O. So I implemented the E-I-O-N. I just did it. I have to show it. <laughs> And when I have uh, when I have to show credit cards to a company that when I go through at the airport, every once in a while, somebody says, you got to go back to the front desk. This is not your name. I just look at them. End quote. How about that? How about it? How about that? Deion Sanders changed his name because of the old McDonald's farm song. <laughs> uh, who knew? E-I-E-I-O. That's, that's who a knew? better fun factor. Good research. That is. Thank you. I had that from the beginning. <laughs> had that from the jump of the show today. All right, gentlemen. Let's get this thing wrapped up. Let's get out of here. We're running long on this thing, but uh, but great work all around. That right there, our preview for the Tennessee-Alabama game coming up in Tuscaloosa this Saturday night in Bryant-Denny Stadium. As we mentioned a second ago, Jack, Ryan, and myself, we will all be there. We got the trio heading down to Tuscaloosa, so make sure you are following each and every one of us for coverage from the stadium. If you want to follow Jack, you can do that at Jack Foster Media. If you want to follow Ryan, you can do that at rshump00. 
And if you want to follow myself, you can do that at Rick underscore Butler. But of course, make sure you're going and checking out RockyTopInsider.com each and every day. Make sure you're going and checking out at RockyTopInsider on each one of the social media platforms. Wherever you are, we are there as well. But otherwise, just make sure you're heading out to the website, following us on social media, and we will continue to provide you the best Tennessee news, notes, and content that we possibly can. It's a big time of the year right now. We obviously got football at the halfway point. Basketball is less than three weeks away. Baseball is going on as Ryan has been going to scrimmages out on the field on on campus. So we got a lot going on. We will make sure to bring you all of it. Thanks so much for listening to the show today. We will see you after the Tennessee-Alabama game from Tuscaloosa for another edition of the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass podcast. Thanks so much. Be safe this weekend. Have a great day.